Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Manconi. Today we've got another one of our extended morning show interviews for you, and we're going to be talking about the craft beer scene here in Taiwan. Not too much to set up here, so we're just going to get right to it. This interview was recorded live on the morning show, hosted by Terry Engel, at 10 a.m. on March 16th. So we are headed right on back there now. Here's Terry. ICRTFM 100, Jack White, along with the Muppets, there, and you are the sunshine of my life. Of course, the Stevie Wonder Classic. It is nine minutes past top of the hour here. It's Wednesday, and right in this space is where we usually jump into our uh, extended interviews for the week. Keith, what have we got going on this week? Well, uh, I'm a big Taipei Times reader. It's uh, good to keep on top of the news. And there's been a certain column that's been catching my eye recently. Okay. Goes by the name of Drinking Taipei. Okay. And this column is serving up the ins and the outs of craft brewing in Taipei. Mm -hmm. And I did not know this before I started reading the column, but there is a whole world right there, and it's really just sprung up pretty recently of people trying to make new flavors uh, and new experiences in the craft brew uh, world come to Taiwan. Right. So I've been reading this, I've been reading this, and uh, just recently I noticed that uh, in the byline of that whole thing is one Dana Tur. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, now this is somebody who knows something interesting about Taiwan. Be good to get her on the show. And here she is. Here she is. Welcome, Dana. Hi. Thanks for uh, joining us here this morning. Uh, maybe just tell us very quickly before we, we get into all of this, uh, what you do uh, sort of at the Taipei Times, you write a, a, a monthly column, a weekly column. Maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your writing there. Okay, so um, my name is Dana, and I'm a staff reporter for the feature section of the Taipei Times. I basically cover culture, lifestyle, anything that's not politics. And one of the columns I have is called Drinking Taipei. It's a monthly column, and it's about uncovering this hidden but burgeoning craft beer scene here in Taipei. And along the way, I've met a lot of local and expat craft brewers who have introduced me to this scene here. Okay, excellent. And you write other columns uh, as well? You have uh, another weekly column? Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I do. I have a weekly column, um, the art exhibition listings, where I basically introduce a bunch of cool art, art exhibitions that are going around in the city. Excellent. Okay, good. And uh, just as kind of a jumping-off point, uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening in... I know that you've written so much about it, there's there's so much to know, but just kind of give us the bird's-eye view, a sense of what's happening in the craft brew world here in Taiwan right now. What What is the, the boilerplate? This is why it's worth paying attention to. Okay, well, we are currently in the second wave of craft brewing here in Taiwan right now. The first wave began in the early 2000s when the government first legalized um, private breweries. So a bunch uh-huh. of uh, companies jumped on board, like Labrador, Jolly's, and North Taiwan Brewery. But then that would kind of be the first wave. Yes, that's correct, the first yeah. wave. Um, but then these businesses tanked um, really quickly because the market wasn't quite ready for craft beer yet. And then the second wave um, came around. The, uh, the market not being ready, meaning mm-hmm. that um, Taiwanese 
consumers were not ready for it, meaning that uh, just didn't have a taste. For didn't it. have a taste for it. They, they they didn't know what it was. They weren't educated in 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 the world of craft brewing. Is that is that what you mean by that? Yes, I guess you could say that. Um, there wasn't social media back then, so it was harder to educate people about what craft beer really was back then. Right. Okay. So. So a lot has happened since then. Uh, you've been writing about all, all that stuff that's been going down. How did you yourself kind of get interested in the craft brew scene? Um, well, when I first moved back to Taiwan one and a half years ago, a lot of my going out revolved around um, drinking this really watered-down, cheap 7-Eleven beer. And after a while, I just got a bit sick of that, that scene. And I traveled to Vietnam last summer, and I visited Pastor Street Brewery in Ho Chi Minh City. And they serve really amazing um, American-style craft beer. Then when I came back to Taiwan, a friend from Michigan visited me here in Taipei. And he's like a huge craft beer buff, but I, um, I felt bad because I couldn't think of any places to bring him to that serve craft beer. So these two factors kind of ignited my search for uh, like really good craft beer in Taiwan. Right. Okay. Yeah. Craft brew kind of taking uh, not just Taiwan by storm in the past few years, but kind of all over, as you mentioned, Vietnam as well. Exactly. Uh, having spent uh, time in the, the northwest of uh, uh, of the states last year in Seattle and whatnot, another just huge explosion of, of craft beer and, and local breweries and, and brew pubs and, and this sort of thing. Exactly. So uh, as you can kind of hear there, uh, Dana kind of took it upon herself to go on a quest to find out what is really behind uh, this surge in popularity, what uh, is really the best stuff that's out there. Um, and kind of one of the thing that's uh, questions that's overarching all of this uh, is the first wave obviously didn't go too well. It kind mm-hmm. of uh, people didn't quite have the taste for it uh, that they were hoping for. And the question now is, uh, has that changed? How much has that changed? Right. How much has the idea about what beer should be, what flavor should be, how much has that changed in Taiwan? Uh, and I want to introduce you to a guy who kind of puts that problem uh, pretty well, I think. Uh, so here's the guy, uh, first guy we're going to introduce you to today. My name is Jim, and I am um, the brewer at Jim and Dad's Brewing in Elon. Right, so that is uh, Jim. Uh, tell us about Jim and Dad's Brewing, Dana. Okay, so Jim and Dad's Brewing in Elon was founded by Jim Song and his father um, in September 2015. And it's probably um, Taiwan's only destination brewery. Jim uses, tries to use a lot of local ingredients sourced from Elon, such as, um, such as ginger or kumquat to make his beers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just like Dana, just like a lot of other people, he's pretty excited to see where this thing can go, but also, you know, has some of those doubts. So Taiwan's caught on to this, this wave of craft beer first in the last, I would say in the last two to three years. And, um, a lot of people open their own breweries, uh, contract brew, so they have their own brands, or um, you know have places like like us. You know, they have the brewery and the tap room and all that. So, you know, it's um, it's really starting to 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 come into um, you know a lot of a lot of people want to do it, and a lot of people are talking about it, very excited about it. Um, but you know. I think that the market growth is not not as great as as the buzz is 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 giving it. I think um, a lot of people are talking about craft beer, but I don't think enough people are are drinking it. 
and that's a that's a shame because how can you know a beer is good? You know, you can talk about a local, fresh, and, and craft and all that, but if you don't drink it, how are you going to know? You know, so I think a big part of it is is um, hopefully we can get more people to understand that beer can be you know different and more interesting and actually have flavor instead of being boring, pale, and bland. So that's the question. How deep is this really going? How deep is this change going? And uh, when you got a question, you got to get some answers. So, uh, Dana, we went out to get some answers. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, just over this weekend, uh, we didn't tell you about this, but we went and uh, interviewed all the brewers that we could meet. Right. Right. Okay. So you guys went out. You uh, talked to some brewers. You've got uh, some of the clips here uh, and some, some of the people you've talked to. Uh, and we'll kind of get into that once we get back. We've got to take ourselves a very short break here uh, on the morning show. And when we do, we'll kind of get into answering the uh, overarching question that you've posed and uh, talk about uh, craft brewing here in Taiwan. Of course, a uh, big reminder to everybody that's listening that uh, no drinking and driving. And uh, certainly make sure that if you are going to go out and uh, experience any of this, uh, you're not behind the wheel or with anybody that uh, has no drinking. That's right. All right, we take a short break here on the morning show. We'll be back in just a few moments. FM 100. ICRT. 100, 100, We return to the morning show with Terry here. We're amidst our extended interview for the week in which we've got uh, Dana Turr in here. We're talking about craft brewing. She has an article, a monthly article, Drinking Taipei, where she introduces uh, things uh, like craft brewing uh, to her audience, uh, to her reading audience. And uh, she's here introducing it to our listening audience today. Uh, just before we get back into uh, some of the, 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 the brewers that you did talk to, uh, let me ask you guys, and Dana, maybe specifically this, uh, is craft brewing sort of seen as an art? Is it seen as sort of more than just going out and, and having beers? Is there uh, Do the brewers that you spoke to and all of them, do they take a pride in what they do? Um, do they really consider it something that is a, a you know a, a real skill and something that they put their own uh, flavor, if you will, into? Yes, definitely. Um, I definitely think that a lot of the brewers wish that consumers would see it more as an art rather than just a cheap beverage a lot of the complaints yeah a lot of the complaints that they had were that um people have this perception that beer is just this cheap beverage that gets you drunk really quickly here and they want to change that mindset yeah right of course yeah of course and uh, in order to do that comes sort of educating the consumer, comes educating the the uh, uh, the drinker, if you will, uh, with all of that. And uh, seeing as it's sort of been so recent, as we've already established here in Taiwan, that it must be fairly difficult for for, for that to happen for some of these brewers to get that uh, to get that going. Yeah, and to really get a good sense of the challenge for that, uh, it would be good to talk about eight eight six brewing uh because they were one of the very first uh breweries to come in this second wave uh that dana was talking about a second ago uh and so they were you know on the on the very front edge of the new taste and all that uh dana so uh what do you know about uh 886 well 886 brewing was co-founded by sean kitt who is from canada and he comes from a from a brewing background, he knew from the um, from the outset that he wanted to get into brewing. So he attended brewing programs such as the one at UC Davis and one in Chicago. 
And he's also the co-owner of Beer and Cheese, which is a bar in Taipei, which opened in 2013. And the concept behind Beer and Cheese is that you pair beer and food. All right. Uh, yeah, and so that's kind of a new concept in and of itself, uh, not just in Taiwan, but in general, uh, those kinds of pairings. Uh, and so the question that we put to him, just uh, getting back to these interviews, was, was it difficult being first? Here's what he told me. Definitely. Uh, if I said no, I'd be lying. Um, because the, the reason we even have beer and cheese is kind of it was a birth child of, of a market that we couldn't sell beer to. And so I had all this beer in Taiwan. I had no one to sell it to. And we, we, we were slowly getting into the beer bars that were already here. But still, Belgian beer was, was really popular at the time. And then Cascadia uh, was just dominating the market. Pretty much anyone that had American craft beer was through Cascadia. So it wasn't easy. It was, and also too, not speaking Chinese very well, and being an ex, and being a foreigner here, trying to trying to break into a market that's new, um, it was tough. So we we opened beer and cheese basically, so we could fill the gap of what we were looking for as distributors. And can you tell me more about um, the beers that you brew, the beers that 886 brew? I guess. Uh, for us, we, we've we've changed it a little bit in the last couple of years. Uh, we started off, we came out really big, and we started off with a huge IPA, and then we came out with a really hoppy wheat beer, and then we realized that the market wasn't quite ready for these hoppy beers, and we uh, we were kind of stuck selling these at our own restaurant or to like festivals and and more to the foreign crowd. I think as the Taiwanese palate grew into hops, now I think hoppy beers will sell anywhere, but at the time it was just a little bit early uh, and and so then we switched to brewing really safe beers we did a safe pilsner we did a really safe uh brown ale and i think now the market is now beyond the safe beers and and safe beers will always sell but i think now we're excited because now we want to get back to hoppy beers and our next few beers coming out are going to be some big ipas uh a big stout and we're going to brew more with evil twin pretty soon so we we have a few beers planned out with him as well but i think we're going back to the roots of hops uh safe was okay but i i don't like being safe <laughs> and that's that's pretty interesting because that uh kind of gets to some of the stuff that i was reading on your website about how you know you really are trying to bring over uh the kind of beer that was on the west coast in the uh, u.s and canada uh and uh, you you even use that word educate that you wanted to educate uh, the Taiwan palate to, 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 to introduce uh, folks here to, to what's good about that. Uh, and, and, and so tell me a little bit about that process and uh, what, what, what's involved in that. I guess for us, uh, the education side of things really happened in beer and cheese for us because we got to use beer and cheese as a tool um, to introduce people to new beers and they would come in and they would, they would try our flights. And the flights are fun because we could... You know, we could do a flight of Pilsners, but we could do a flight of IPAs, and, and we could really show people, uh, without having to buy a big beer that was expensive, they could try three different beers, and they could play with it themselves. And, and I think realizing, too, that beer pairs with food is a concept that was even tough in, in North America up 10 years ago. So I think that was a, a key thing where everyone loves cheese. Well, at least, you know. North American people love cheese. Cheese is becoming big here as well. Uh, but I think when you start going, okay, wait, wait a second, this really hoppy beer goes really well with this really sharp cheese, um, 
it opens up your mind a bit more to food and beer and, and trying new things. So I, I really love hoppy beers, so I'm really excited about trying your new hoppy beers. And do you, do you think that there's a new distinctive beer culture that's forming here in Taiwan? Because, um, because you mentioned that you went through this phase where there was hoppy beers and people weren't ready for it, and then you went back to making safe beers. But do you think that now the market has evolved such that people are ready to try more like hoppy, more risky types of beers? Absolutely. I, I think that uh, even just in beer and cheese, we've seen a change of people, of the demographic. But more extensively, I think, um, a few groups have really, really pushed the, the industry quite hard. And I think um, Cascadia with uh, Yuhong, he's really done a good job of, of, of opening up some of these really big hoppy beers to people. And then with the new group Taihu uh, coming out, they've also... Uh, they've They've helped make, I think, craft beer trendy among youngs, young um, Taiwanese kids, and I think they did a, an amazing job. I, I live across the street from their tasting room, and, I, and I, I look into the window, and I see young Taiwanese kids that probably six months ago had no idea what craft beer was. So I think with these groups that are really a little bit more uh, tied in with the local, uh, local people, uh, they're really helping push the market that way. Beer and cheese has always been good for foreigners and, and people who want to, you know, take a risk and come into a place that's very foreign friendly. But you, you don't get the local, local people. And I think those groups have really helped us. And they've really, they've, they've built up the trend of craft beer in Taipei, at least in Taipei. One of the interesting things uh, just brought up there, uh, I thought anyway, is just introducing what was, uh, or I guess is sort of a, a primarily a Western cultural activity, bringing it to Taipei. Um, I, I can probably think of lots of uh, different examples as well uh, of that happening. And that, that to me is probably what's as interesting as anything else with uh, with the insurgence of craft brew here is that it's a wholly sort of, or at least modern modern language speaking uh it's a wholly sort of western experience that's kind of been implanted here into taipei and it makes it very difficult to kind of succeed at it without educating people would you agree with that to a certain extent yes i would agree i think that um i think that america is very good at exporting its culture and its soft power um, but I think that there are a lot of young Taiwanese who are also very open-minded. And oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it obviously takes uh, open-mindedness to uh, to take on new cultures. Uh, of course, that's that's of course. I just think it's I, I think it's interesting uh, whenever something kind of comes from the West and and you get to see its emergence or beginnings here uh, in Taiwan. I, I, I've over 17 years being here, I've got to see lots of, lots of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the the next two uh, brewers that we're going to introduce you to are uh, a pretty good example of uh, taking on that problem very directly because they don't compromise with their beer. Uh, they are really trying to keep it as authentically American uh, as as they possibly can. So uh, the first guy of these two that I want to introduce you to is uh, Brett Tiemann. I'm a co-founder and brewmaster at 23 Brewing Company. And uh, this is his partner. My name is Matt Frazier. He's also a brewmaster uh, for the company. They are both, as they just said, from 23 Brewing. Uh, so, Dana, uh, what should our listeners know about 23 Brewing? 
Okay, so Matt and Brad um, are both homebrewers from the U.S., and both of them had never brewed beer before coming to Taiwan. They actually met on a Facebook group for homebrewers in Taichung. And what's interesting about their beer is that they're focused on recreating um, authentic American-style beer, as you said, because they want to stay true to their roots. But they also want to find a way to appeal to both expats and locals alike. Okay. Right, and uh, kind of picking up on what Dana was saying right there, uh, they really are a pair that comes out of the homebrew scene here in Taiwan. Uh, and it is a pretty big scene uh, that has kind of propelled the whole movement forward in a certain way. So they have a very unique perspective on that, very different from what we just heard from Sean, who's, of mm-hmm. course, a lot more uh, experienced, came at this from uh, more of uh, he got schooled in a lot of ways. Uh, and uh, cutely enough, cutely enough, the first time they met uh, was actually at a homebrew meetup in Taichung. And at the time, Matt actually had uh, his own kind of uh, homebrew speakeasy above his uh, friend Alex's pizza shop, Slice and Dice. So he invited us all back for a little bit of an after party. And we went there and we continued to uh, drink homebrews and try some of the stuff that he and Alex had made. I think we uh, actually brewed a beer that first. That, <laughs> that was a good session. The beer turned out awesome, actually. That's kind of that's kind of a sweet story about how you guys met <laughs> through your mutual interest in home brewing, and um, I was wondering, um, do a lot of brew, do a lot of brewers in Taiwan get their start in home brewing? I mean, I would I would say that most people in general, even in America, get started as home brewers. So. Um, a lot of people, you know, work on their recipes for a long, long time and then take a jump into the commercial market. And that's basically what I think a lot of people here have done. Um, when homebrewing was legalized, um, a lot of people just started making beer at home. And, and as soon as the market really kicked off here a few years ago, people just jumped in. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't meet too many brewers here that have brewed professionally. Um, otherwise, there are a few, though. Um, but, yeah, not, not a whole lot. I think one of the things Matt and I have talked about a lot is uh, we think actually maybe starting from a homebrew uh, point of view is actually a really great way to start uh, for someone who's maybe interested in doing commercial beer later because the spirit of homebrew is experimentation, uh, creativity, and coming up with a lot of interesting things to try. And... Um so what about Taiwan makes it a good place to start home brewing? Is there something about the environment or, or people's attitudes here that makes it more conducive, like more conducive to home brewing? Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of different ingredients here um, and a lot of different flavors that people. It, it makes it a very interesting market to, um, as a home brewer. I mean. You've got tea, you've got different fruits and stuff that they just don't have in other parts of the world. And I think it makes it a lot of fun um, for a lot of us to just jump in and throw in, you know, some people throw in tea, they're throwing in mangoes, they're throwing in all kinds of fruit and uh, whatever they can find. And that's that's why I think it's a lot of fun here. We actually have a mutual friend who famously uh, added uh, was chicken, it? Chicken, feet. chicken feet to his beer. And what's funny is that the, the chicken feet aspect of the beer uh, was not the, the, the part that made it difficult to drink. 
It was the amount of cayenne pepper that he added to the recipe. So you drink this beer and you're like, the chicken feet's nice, but the cayenne pepper is a little heavy. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's so right of, on that note there. Lots of different flavors being added well, in well, there. well, a couple of interesting takeaways uh, from this. Uh, but I think most most importantly is, is kind of what they were touching on at the end here, which I think another one of the interesting things about uh, craft brewing is kind of the same, uh, goes along the same way of uh, making wine or really any other artisanal product, which is the ability to infuse basically your local ingredients and by by uh, by proxy the local culture things that kind of go on where you are in that area uh, you know you mentioned chicken feet I, I would imagine that there's all sorts of Taiwanese uh, uh, things very particular to Taiwanese that have been added to craft beers or to or this sort of thing uh, with the brewers well chicken feet was the weirdest one I've ever heard it's mostly what about betel nut? Some across, folks have tried that. Some, come across betel nut or, yeah. or some of these other uh, interesting... I haven't heard of any successful betel nut infusions, <laughs> but I've heard of attempts. Yeah, right. Have, have you ever come across a betel nut brew? No, um, not I thought yet. you were in this industry. Come on. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Interesting. Other things, uh, well, they mentioned chicken feet, and uh, uh, we could probably come up with a whole list of uh, Taiwan-isms that could be mm-hmm. added. But, uh, but again, the, the takeaway being that... Stinky toe brew. <laughs> Stinky toe brew. <gasps> oh, nice. Copywritten. Nice. Right you'd, you'd better patent that immediately. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, like, uh, like a lot of artisanal crafts, um, and hence the word craft brewing um, are always kind of adding local elements into into the craft itself. And I think that's kind of the interesting spot. And I think that's what's going to, or has maybe, drawn Taiwanese, young Taiwanese, into the the art of, of, of drinking craft beer. Yeah, I mean, have you talked to any uh, young Taiwanese? Have you gotten a sense of uh, what's enticing them into this? Yes, I think um, I haven't heard of many people introducing chicken feet or stinky tofu to their brews, but I think introducing teas and yeah, right, and herbs and fruits that's been that's been really popular. Flavors that they're familiar with exactly. as a good introduction uh, to all of this. Okay, um, what else have we got here, uh, Keith? Well, uh, kind of going back to that conversation uh, with Twenty Three Brewing. Uh, as we kind of mentioned, they're trying to keep it very authentic, and, and they do uh, introduce some extra flavors in some of the stuff that they're doing. Uh, but here, uh, they were telling me a little bit about what's involved in staying true uh, to the flavors that they're most familiar with, uh, but still not losing the local Taiwanese in the process. So here's what they had to say about that. We have a very authentic American pale ale um, and an IPA that the bitterness is up a little bit higher than... Uh, normal beers. So a lot of the local um, Taiwanese, it's a little too much for them. And so we also have a blonde ale that it's kind of a hoppy uh, version of ours, of a a blonde ale that a lot of the local Taiwanese love. So uh, I would say more Taiwanese drink the blonde ale and more expats would drink our pale or uh, IPA. Um, To that point, I would say it's actually really interesting to see uh, which beer is the most popular in uh, the different uh, places that we sell? Uh, I was in Yonghe. There's a bistro, uh, 41 Bistro, and uh, they sell blonde. <laughs> and 
corner office doesn't sell the blonde. So there's just, you know, different, uh, different beers, uh, sorry, beers appeal to different markets. So do you think that there's like hyper local tastes or hyper local palates that uh, you kind of have to get to know in Taiwan? I think, uh, you know, to be honest, when I was first starting into this uh, uh, industry and the craft beer kind of um, subculture in San Diego 10 years ago, I was even a little iffy on the IPAs. I would drink pale ales. I love pale ales. And slowly I started to get into IPAs. And in San Diego, I mean, the double IPA came after that. And it was just, you know, crazy extreme. And that's where it usually starts, right? And I think here in Taiwan, people are used to drinking lagers, you know. And so it just takes time. So our blonde ale is like a great um, gateway beer to get into craft beer. It's very easy, sessionable beer, right? And it, it's got this great hoppy profile. And then from there, I think the locals will slowly step up to our pale ale and then move on, right? But um, that's why I think right now there's a, a differentiation between the locals and the expats because the expats have been drinking pale ales and IPAs for a long time, you know, leading up to now. So they, they have that taste for it. All right, we got to take ourselves a very short break. We are missed our uh, Wednesday extended interview here today where we're talking about craft brew. We'll take a short break and be back on the morning show with Terry on ICRT. Are you ready? We are good to go. We're good to go. We're good to go. Right back to the show. Back to the show. ICRT, where we've got it going on. It's 10.41 in the morning. We return to the morning show with Terry here amidst our midweek extended interview. Uh, we've got Dana Tur in from the Taipei Times. She has a column, Drinking Taipei. Is that, uh, is that correct? Good. And uh, we're talking about craft brews here today. Now, before we get uh, back into the uh, concluding segment of this, um, for anybody like me that's maybe a little lost in some of the terminology, uh, IPAs and, and ales and uh, all this sort of thing, maybe just give uh, us just a, a, a very general scope of what all of that means. Okay, so an IPA is an India pale ale, and it is the most bitter and hoppy. A pale ale is a lighter version of that, and a lager is even lighter. Even lighter than that. Just just, just so people uh, have a scale, maybe those who are not craft beer drinkers uh, kind of have a scale as to, 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 to what all of those terms mean. Right, so that all gives you kind of a sense of uh, when that last uh, brewery was talking, uh, why some of those hoppier beers were difficult for people that weren't so familiar with right. craft brewing to get into. Right. Last brewery that I want to introduce you guys to today, uh, Dana and I spoke with them on Saturday once again, is 55th Street Brewing with uh, Jack Yu and his wife, Johan Yen. And uh, if you thought that the last origin story was pretty cute, meeting together uh, at, at, at that home brewing event, this one is even lovelier. Dana, tell us, uh, tell us how these guys met. Well, um, Jack is from Bogota, Colombia. He was born and raised there by Taiwanese parents. And Johan is a model agent from Taipei. And they met when Jack came over to Taiwan to study Chinese and... Yeah, they actually met at a Halloween party, cute story and all that. And their brewery, 55th Street, is named after 55th Street in Bogota, Colombia, where Jack's parents owned a Chinese restaurant. 
So uh, here we have an example of an expat and a local working together to find that happy medium uh, of palates. And it's, uh, it's resulted in some of the craft beers that we're seeing here that are most distinctively Taiwanese. Uh, for example, uh, the longan. They use longan fruit. Yes, that's correct. Well, um, from the outset, they knew that they wanted to use local ingredients to create a beer that people would associate as being from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, getting back into these conversations, we asked Jack uh, what inspired him to use this particular local ingredient. Here's what he told me. Brewing is like pretty much very much like cooking, right? So obviously wherever you go and cook, you want to use fresh local ingredients, right? So it's pretty much the same as brewing. And so uh, we thought, well, nobody's done a beer with uh, Longan, so, you know, and you can dry the fruit, so you can store it for, for, for quite a while. So, and it tastes good in beer, so it's a, it's a perfect match. So we just went down with it, you know, and... What palate are you mo- most... Uh interested in satisfying when you when you make a new beer are you thinking more about the expat palate or the taiwanese palate uh my wife's palate actually <laughs> she's the one you got to please of course of course i mean yeah <laughs> uh, every 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 married man i think can agree with me on that one yeah <laughs> uh so when you taste a new batch of beer, are you the first person to give feedback, or are you the first person to tell him uh, whether it's good or bad? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, 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 I'm the first person to tell him that I like it or I don't like it. Uh, and, uh, and so that's a pretty important role, right? I mean, that, that's a very important job that you play. Because us Taiwanese, you know, Taiwanese. I know what Taiwanese like, so I will tell him like, oh, probably this one is too strong for Taiwanese people. So maybe you you, you have to think about it twice. Maybe you can do it like uh, lighter or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll be. I'll just tell him what to what Taiwanese people will like. But it's still his decision to make what kind of beer he wants. Yeah. And 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 do you feel like? He's learning quickly. Is he? Uh, have you taught him well? Is he figuring out what the right beer is? No. <laughs> He's still Colombian. I'm Taiwanese. So sometimes there's still a little, you know, argument between us because I, I think I know what Taiwanese people like, but he likes to brew what foreigners like. So sometimes it would be a little bit different. <laughs> I think that ideally we shouldn't cater to to the taste of the market, but instead create our own market, right? And that that uh, that's done through education and events. And how do you educate? Uh, tastings, uh, festivals, speaking to bar owners, distributors, customers. Uh, Facebook helps a lot. You know, uh, what are hops? What, what is malt? What, what does yeast contribute to beer, to beer flavor? All, all of this is uh, all done through social media right now for us plays a huge part. So that's a, that's a great outlet uh, to teach and to educate people. Yeah. So I think that, uh, again, the takeaway is the, the kind of, I don't know if it's a, a dichotomy or whatever, of trying to uh, keep craft brewing and and the art alive yet bringing it to a new place infusing new flavors 
giving a uh, a taste that's familiar to the to the new area that this is brought. Um, and again, uh, the takeaway for me from this is just just the art that's involved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but let's uh, let's use that as a way to segue into kind of uh, the overarching question here is, Dana, what did you take away from this? I mean, you've put so much work into this. Uh, has this changed how you think about uh, your food and your beer? Yes. Um, over the course of the last seven, eight months, I've um, doing all these interviews, meeting all these people has definitely changed my perception of craft beer because I'm a huge foodie. I love to eat food, and whenever I eat something that I don't quite like, it makes me sad for days afterwards. And now I'm starting to feel the same about beer. So if I drink a really good craft beer, it makes me really happy. It's, it's as simple as that. Some real joy to be found in uh, in these brews. <laughs> there is could make or break a day, uh, <laughs> apparently. Well, listen, uh, Dana, thanks so much for joining us here today. Uh, your article uh, is found uh, monthly, uh, drinking Taipei, and uh, as well weekly, uh, the uh, the art exhibitions as well. So people can uh, find you there in the Taipei Times. Appreciate you taking the time and uh, introducing a little bit about craft beer for uh, for us here. So thanks for coming along. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And uh, we'll conclude all of this by reminding you that uh, uh, craft brew, obviously, uh, not to be uh, mixed with driving in any way, shape, or form. So uh, please, uh, uh, no drinking and driving if uh, that's what you're going to undertake for the evening. Also, don't mix it with chicken feet. I think uh, we, we've run <laughs> that too experiment much already. Pepper. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, excellent. Uh, thanks. That concludes our Wednesday extended interview for this week. Coming up at the top of the hour, we will have... Uh, the news, of course, so stay with us. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple of moments. I'll let you know what the uh, theme for your requests is today. And taking this up towards the top of the hour, this is Mumford & Sons, Babel on ICRT. And that was The Morning Show with Terry Engel. We were, of course, speaking there to Dana Turr of the Taipei Times. Thanks as well to 23 Brewing Company, 886, Jim and Dad's, and 55th Street for speaking with us and spreading the good brews of Taiwan's craft beer scene. You can catch more interviews just like the one you heard right there at 10 a.m. each and every Wednesday morning on The Morning Show. Or you can go online and find dozens upon dozens of more interviews from and about Taiwan on the Taiwan Talk podcast stream. Those are available on the ICRT website and on iTunes. Uh, If you are listening through iTunes, please do take a second to rate and review the show. Thank you all for listening. For Taiwan Talk and The Morning Show, I'm Keith Menconi. See you next time.